In the day and age that we live in today, God's still desiring to do a work in this world, to turn the hearts of the fathers toward their children, to turn the hearts of the disobedient toward the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And we get to be part of this mission to help people to see Christ. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today I want us to see the Word, the life, and the light in verses 1 through 18 of John chapter 1. We're going to discover that the Word was in the beginning, verse 1, the life And the light of men, verses 2 through 5, the witness from God, verses 6 through 9, the children of God, verse 10 through 13, and the only begotten of God, verses 14 through 18. Father, I pray that you would bring us comprehension today. Give us understanding, Lord, of your truth, the truth of your word. Inspire us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit today. Teach us through the words that John recorded for us here in John chapter 1, but also as we reference other parts of the Bible. May we, Lord, at the beginning of this year, just ask that you would bless our journey through the gospel of John, that we might know, that we might believe, Lord, these things that have been taught, that through them, Lord, we might have life. And I know for the majority of us, Lord, we have received you as our Savior. But Father, I I also believe that there is more that you desire for each of us. So Father, we pray that we would just come toward you with open hearts and open lives, desiring, Lord, that you would guide us and fill us with your Spirit, that we might serve you, no matter the age, Lord, that we might serve you with our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here's the condemnation, verse 5. That light shines in the darkness, in the darkness they did not comprehend it. Just as if uh, you come out of a dark room into the bright sunlight, what do you do? You get your Ray-Bans on, or you shield your eyes, you put a cap on, you protect your eyes because you can't handle the brightness of the sun. Just as coming in the sun can hurt our eyes out of a darkened room, the light of Jesus Christ to this world who has sin-darkened eyes and the things of this world. They can't see the truth of the Lord. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not 
comprehended. Paul wrote about the world's perception of our existence in Romans 1.20. He says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, having understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power in Godhead, that they are without excuse. So John goes on in verses 6 through 9 to speak about John the Baptist. Verses 6 through 9 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man who comes into the world. There was a man who was sent from God whose name was John, not John the Apostle, but John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, and we're going to get to know him quite well in chapter 1. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. The Bible tells us in Luke 1.17 that John came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And whether we're talking about Jesus' first coming, John being that forerunner of Jesus Christ, or Jesus' second coming, Elijah set to come to be the forerunner of Christ, whether we're talking about John the Baptist or Elijah, both men were called, according to Luke 1.17, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people for the Lord. So we have... At Jesus' first coming, a forerunner came. His name was John. We know him as John the Baptist. He's being introduced to us here in verses 6 through 9. But know that before Jesus comes a second time, the Lord will have his forerunner, Elijah. And their mission, their duty to turn the hearts of the Father to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people of the Lord. The reason I repeated that to you again to realize that in the day and age that we live in today, God's still desiring to do a work in this world, to turn the hearts of the fathers toward their children, to turn the hearts of the disobedient toward the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And we get to be part of this mission to help people to see Christ, that we could bear witness of the light. We're not the light, but a, a lesser light, we get to bear witness of the light, Jesus Christ, just as John the Baptist, who came to bear witness. At the beginning of 2018, I'm starting to get uh, emails and texts, uh, maybe not texts, but they even pop up on Facebook. Uh, they, know, they know who you are, so they try to bring things, suggestions to you that might find interest. And at the beginning of the year, you learn a lot about, you know, having the best website, best social media presence. And, you know, you want to look the best. And for some pastors, you got to, I mean, shed the coat. I wear it because it's cold. In the summer, I'll get rid of it because it'll be warm. It's funny, in the Calvary Chapel movement, you hear certain pastors speak every once in a while going to a conference and often they bring up the same old thing because it's like their main thing they talk about and they seem to do it every time they go somewhere. And so you're at a different place, same speaker. He mentions the same thing. And there's one pastor who always talks about his wearing jeans and the condemnation of wearing jeans. 
on a Sunday morning. He's an older guy, probably now pushing 70, still wearing jeans on a Sunday morning. I don't. He does. But then he always jokes and says, I spend more on these jeans than I do on my dress pants. So I guess that satisfies it. They cost more so I can wear them. And by the way, if you see me outside of this pulpit, I'm in jeans more than anything else. But it's by the appearance, you know, have the best appearance, the best clothes, coolest clothes. But John, think about John. I've even been told that our church would do better if we'd sell this property and move to a better location. That's the answer, just relocate. But John, think about John. He ministered in a remote location. He wore strange clothes. He maintained a a strange diet. But these things did not keep people from coming to him. John did not preach a seeker-friendly message. Yet people came seeking repentance through faith in God. John's baptism became an outward sign of the inward work that God was doing in the hearts and lives of the people to prepare them for their Messiah's coming. And he did this in fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, which we read a bit of that when I read from Luke 1.17. You know, you want to do your best. You want to have the best presentation that you could possibly have. It's not always about having the, you know, cool jeans on and the cool shirts, the newest haircut, hairstyle, no hair, whatever might be the thing. It's really about the Spirit of God moving in the hearts of a pastor, of the people, of the fellowship, of a community that makes the work truly a work of God. And we can have the bells and whistles, but if you're missing the Spirit of God, then all you have is a work of your hands. But John was sent from God. He came to bear witness of the light. And he says in verse 8, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. He repeats that again. That was the true light, verse 9, which gives light to every man coming into this world. Now, as a kid, even as an adult, I love going in caves. You know, you get deep enough into a cave system, you're on a cave tour, it is inevitable that they will turn the lights off on you. Now, they don't do it in sneakery. They don't like, watch this, we'll turn the lights off and watch them trip and fall. No, they stop everybody. They get everybody to stand in the place and they prepare you for what is about to happen. Because you don't know true darkness until you're in a place where there is no light whatsoever. The lights go off and you can put your hand in front of your face and you see nothing. Back in the day when I was younger, it used to be... The tour guide would say, anybody have a Bic lighter? Somebody would respond to that. I guess they could still have a Bic lighter today and and light one Bic lighter or one match and it would light up. Not, you know, not like the full power of the lights that you'd presently had, but it would light up enough that you could see fairly well, surprisingly. Today, take out your cell phones. Don't use a flashlight on them, but just the glow of the screen gives enough light to show the purpose. He was not that light, but he came to bear witness of the light, that the true light that gives light to every man. Get this, that everyone, Jesus gives light to every person because we all live. 
and have our being. We all exist. He is the light that has come into the world and the condemnation found in John 3.19 that men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So Jesus is the true light. He gives light and life to everyone. We all live and exist because of Jesus Christ. All things consist because of Jesus Christ. But we do not know the true life, the true light that the Lord intended, apart from coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we can know the true light and life and the life that God intended for our lives. So he speaks about, in verses 10 through 13, the children of God. And he begins in verses 10 and 11, the world versus his own, we discover. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. And so he was in the world, the world was made through him, the world did not know him. This speaks about the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. He was in the world, all things came to existence because of God's creation through Jesus Christ. Refers to the Gentiles who had long separated themselves from God. As Paul said in Acts 17 verses 26 and 27, God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. He is the light and the life of this world. The Lord is in the world. Verse 10, the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. But also he came to his own. He's talking about the Jewish people here. And they did not receive him. Stephen, speaking to the Jews in Acts 7, 51 through 53, he said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold of the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayer and murderers, who have received the law in the direction of angels, but have not kept it. He came to his own. God gave the nation of Israel, has given the nation of Israel such privilege. But they did not receive him, did not recognize him. But to those who were born of God, in verses 12 through 13, as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but by God. There are numerous opinions within the church today concerning Jesus and the redemptive work. People within the body of Christ in churches today, they believe that they will be saved because their parents were Christians. I've inherited my salvation, they might say. Others believe that they can obtain their salvation through good works. And that is a very popular answer when you ask people if they'll go to heaven why God would allow them to go to heaven. They will refer to the good things that they have done. They won't actually say what they've done. They'll just say, my good works. I'm a good person. 
if you begin to prod and dig a little deeper, they may quickly come up and decide that they're not that good. But also we find that within the church today, they think salvation will be obtained by some group effort, by collaboration, that we through social change can make salvation happy. But John tells us that salvation is not of blood. It's not by inheritance, nor of the will of the flesh. You can't do it by your works, nor of the will of man. It's not by social collaboration. We can't come together and decide that we will be saved and God must accept us. But of God, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Those who believe in his name, it's by faith. First John 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And salvation comes through faith in the redemptive work of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And then finally, we close out. John speaks about the only begotten of God. In verses 14 through 18, we read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness of him, John the Baptist. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. So we close out with the only begotten of God, and John declaring, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This takes us back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And here John tells us the word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus. He's not talking about a message. He's not talking about a something. He's talking about a someone. He's talking about a person. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And the word became flesh. It's incarnation. It comes from a Latin word which means in flesh and referring to the uniqueness of Jesus Christ who was fully God and fully man. And John says, we beheld his glory. John says, we were eyewitnesses of these things. In 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, he says, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have, our hands has handled concerning the word of life. For three plus years, John walked beside Jesus along with the other apostles. They looked upon Jesus. It's a word that means a careful and deliberate gaze. It meant that they studied him, studied his features. In other words, they studied the Lord. They also touched him and were touched by him. The word became flesh and we beheld his glory. Peter agreed in Second Peter 1.16. He says, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We find in verse 15 
that Jesus was preferred before all others. John said that he cried out, this is he of whom I said, he comes after me is preferred before me because he was before me. John was cousins with Jesus. John was about six months older than Jesus. Jesus physically came after John as far as ministry is concerned. But John says, he is preferred before me because he was before me. Speaking a little bit of the deity of Jesus Christ, the mystery of the deity and the Lord's position in heaven with the Father. Paul wrote in Philippians 2, 5 through 7, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it to be robbery, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And so John testifies of the uniqueness of Jesus. Though he came after me, he was preferred before me because he was before me. And Jesus is also preferred before us as well. In grace and truth, verses 16 through 18, in the fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, his fullness we have received. John testifies of this. Grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses there on the mountain to instruct the Jewish people how they should conduct themselves, that they could stand in a right relationship with God. And the core of the law is found in the Old Testament, in the Ten Commandments especially, there in Genesis chapter 20. But James tells us in James 2.10, whoever shall keep the whole law yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of it all. And since the giving of the law, no one has been able to keep the whole law. The law was given to be a tutor to point us to Christ, according to Paul. God gave Moses instructions as to how one might find atonement through the law, but in our inability of being able to keep the law, true salvation could not be found. In our inability, it's the Lord's ability to pay the price that we could not pay ourselves. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And God's glorious grace, that grace and truth that John refers to, that grace is available to this day through his Son, who is the truth. And just think about it. The Son of God who participated with his Father in creation, the creation of the heavens and the earth, came as a man that he might minister among the sons of men, being himself the word, the life, and the light of men. This life and light is available to all mankind, for we all exist and live and have our being because of Jesus Christ. But the true life that God intended can only come through saving faith in Jesus Christ. That means that we must acknowledge that we are sinners. At some point in our life, I did this when I was seven years old, to acknowledge that I was a sinner. Second, to believe in Jesus Christ. People can acknowledge that they're sinners. They can acknowledge the need of salvation, but then they can look in the wrong place, in the wrong person, 
So the acknowledgement needs to be tied with the belief in Jesus Christ that he died for our sins according to the scriptures. And finally, we have to confess Jesus before others as well. That is my prayer for us today, Lord, that we would confess your Son as our Savior because, Lord, we have acknowledged that we have sinned and fall short of your glory. Lord, because we have believed in your Son as our Savior, who is not only the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, but is also the light and the life of men. And I pray, Father, that through the teaching of your word here in the Gospel of John, Lord, that you would just grow us in our faith, that we would come into a deeper understanding of your great love toward us, but also, Lord, that we would come into a a walk, a relationship with you that would cause us, Lord, to be spirit-filled, walking in your guidance each day of our lives, that we might live and serve you with our lives. It's my prayer, Lord, for each of us in this fellowship. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Yeah.